listening to RPC Ramblings, a podcast by Rich Hill Presbyterian Church. Hope you enjoy the chat. Welcome back to RPC Ramblings. It's great to have you along and we hope that you're well and enjoying your summer, albeit a bit of a wet one so far. Um, my name is Leslie Ann Wilkinson. I'm one of the discipleship workers at Rich Hill Presbyterian. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Alex Richardson. Hey, Alex. Hey, Leslie Ann. Alex is also one of our discipleship workers. And today we are also joined by Mike Carrier. Hello, Mike. Hi, Leslie Ann. How are you doing? Good, thanks. How, how are you, Mike? You doing well? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, really good. Good. So there's people probably listening along thinking that's not a ritual accent necessarily, or maybe can't necessarily picture who they're listening to. Could you tell us just a little bit about yourself, Mike, or, or your setup where you are? Yeah, you, you found me out. I'm, I'm the Englishman. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, I, um, we've moved back. My wife's from, um, from Armagh, so we mm. moved back um, to Northern Ireland a few years ago. Um, and um, I actually, until coronavirus hit, had still been working in London, um, mm. commuting back and forward every week um but now getting to spend a lot more time at home with the family which is great mm. uh, and um you know enjoying the uh the time in the garden and uh, and the opportunity it gives me to to be out uh, with the uh, with the hoe weeding away <laughs> yeah so alex you'll know like throughout the podcast we have mentioned gardens a lot and lots of different people you know have shown some sort of interest but I don't know, I think the carriers have got a whole other level. Like, Mike, you, whenever you say you're spending a bit of time in the garden, like, you're not messing about. Like, you're, you're spending a lot of time with this incredible garden. Yeah, well, I, I often say to people in work that I think I've maybe taken a misstep in my career because <laughs> I think my real passion is definitely the garden. Um, so I work in banking, but, um, but I should be working in horticulture, I think. But, yeah. <laughs> I um I just love being outside. I love the veg and the flowers, and you know it's it's just such a great place to thing to do. I just love it. So it could be an addiction possibly, but uh, but yeah, no, definitely, uh, definitely where I want to be. What um what caused you in the first place? Like, what got you going with you know gardening? Um, what inspired you? It, it's all just sort of spiraled out of control, I think. So I started with a tiny little garden um, in our first sort of um, house that Karis and I had. Um, and then we got an allotment um, and I got into the veg. And then from the allotment, we got a slightly bigger garden. And, and then, you know, when we decided to move back to Northern Ireland, we had the opportunity to get an even bigger garden um and yeah it's just sort of spiral i did i do warn people that gardening is a bit addictive because a lot of people <laughs> have got into gardening with lockdown and growing their own stuff and it really does um suck you in and uh, and people get really uh, really into it and it certainly did for me so yeah now i feel for it to be like you know a, a success or to go well because i have friends who have got in the garden over lockdown as well like it's like the maintenance of it seems to be um a big thing and especially as your garden grows and you begin to grow more and more um vegetables or whatever um it, like the maintenance it just seems to like take over and it's like you know this thing you have to be all into into and all in for 
Yeah, it does take a lot of time. I should probably give a, a sort of a, a shout out to David Turner as well because he does <laughs> help me uh, with maintaining the garden because it's uh, it would it would be more than I could probably cope with on my own. So um, he deserves a lot of credit for uh, for keeping it well weeded for me as well. So um, so yeah, I definitely need help with it. Um, I try and get the kids to help, but they're not so keen. So um, although although John does. Um, mow the lawn for me so uh so he's gradually getting there i'll i'll get some sort of uh, some help from them eventually <laughs> train train them young and all that um and it's funny because karis and i are both saying the flip side so chris obviously has a very small veg obviously <laughs> compared to yourself but the flip side of him enjoying all the growing or trying all these new things is that suddenly we have to try and think of strange and new ways to use up all this veg whereas you guys have a lot of it so, so it's probably a death by veg at times in your house is it yeah we tend to have sort of several weeks of eating nothing but courgettes followed yeah. by several weeks of cauliflower <laughs> and so on throughout the year um yeah and we try to give us away as much as much as we can yeah. i grow it more for the enjoy growing it than for, for the eating so yeah but definitely Karis has the frustration of podding an awful lot of peas. <laughs> like pea soup every other day. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it, is, it is very impressive and it's clearly a labour of love. Um, but Mike, mm. thank you for coming on. We, we really appreciate your time this evening. Um, today we're going to think about the fact that God is good and that God is patient. And as we've said all along, this is part of our series on God's Attributes. And we couldn't possibly take them all separately because this is who God is. And yet we can't say everything at once either. So um, we're just getting to this at this stage. Uh, there's a lot of overlap and we're going to see that probably today as well. Um, but it is good to consider these things that we often just take for granted anyway. The fact that God is good, the fact that he is patient toward us. And it's good to stop and reflect upon these things and, and to see what they mean for us. So to just kick us off, we'll maybe start by talking about God's goodness. So what do we actually mean whenever we say that God is good? Where do we see this? Where, where would we want to start with that? Yeah, I mean, I actually think a really good place to start is, is actually back in Exodus, um, in Exodus 33. And it's, a, it's a, a story that I think people will be familiar with um, when Moses is talking to God um, and he says to God, he says, please show me your glory. And God rather surprisingly, perhaps answers, I will make all my goodness mm. pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And so when Moses asks to see God's glory, God says he will show him his goodness. Um, and I think if we think of God's glory as being the things about God, which are worthy of praise, the things that are his weight and his worth, um, then you know his goodness is is derivative of that. It's the it's mm. something he is worthy of praise for um, because it is the blessings and the benevolence and the bounty that he pours out on um, you know th this world uh, on his people. Um, it's it's the way in which he is good towards others um and it's intricately linked with his with his glory mm. um so i think you know it, it's definitely a part of who he is he links it there also to his name you know mm. he says you know 
I will claim my name, the Lord Yahweh, um, and it's it's intricately linked to his person um, and and who he is and his essence. Um, so I think you know it's um, you know I think I I got a quote actually um, from Kevin DeYoung and he he talks about divine goodness being the overflowing bounty of God by which he who receives nothing and lacks nothing communicates blessing to his creation and to his creatures. And I think that's just such a fantastic definition of, of God's goodness, mm. um, that overflowing uh, of blessing towards others um, in, in so many ways. So, yeah, so I think that, um, you know, if we think about God's goodness as being um, his um, the way in which he blesses and the way in which he outwardly um, shows goodness to others, um, then I think it, it becomes a much more all-embracing category of, of God's mm-hmm. character, God's person. Um, so God is good towards those who are in misery, and we call that mercy. Mm-hmm. And God is good to those who are guilty, and we call that grace. Um, and God is good to those um, who are deserving judgment, um, and we call that patience. Mm. And so his goodness manifests itself in so many different ways, and we have so many terms, in fact, that we use mm. to describe the way in which God is good. Um, and you know, it, it, it's hard to think of some aspect of God which doesn't also overlap with his goodness i think so mike what you're saying is if i'm picking you up correct would you say that god's goodness you know you've mentioned god's grace there and god's um which we primarily see um in jesus christ to to those who you know he has chosen but are you when you talk about god's goodness are you saying that's for all creatures that everyone experiences god's goodness then yeah, so I think you know what I would say is that um, you know there are really sort of probably three three kind of things we could we could say about his goodness more broadly. Um, one is that it's necessary; it's a necessary part of who he is. So um, everything God does is good; um, he never does bad things. Um, that his goodness is voluntary; he he chooses to do good. Um, so it's an active choice that he wants hates to do good. And, and probably the most amazing one of all is that it's communicative. He, mm. he wants his goodness to be known and enjoyed. Um, and that's a, that's a really powerful thing, really, that, that God, who had no uh, need of anyone, no need of anything, chooses to make his goodness known uh, to, to, to the world. Um, and if we take an example like creation, um, you know, God did not have to create the world. He, he chose to create the world. Um, having, you know, chosen to create the world, he had to create a good world. And he, you know, it says in, in Genesis that, you know, what he created was good. Um, but why did he create the world? Well, he wanted to communicate his goodness to mankind, um, by creating a good world. And by um, by pouring out his blessings on people, he's he's communicating that goodness to the world. And so, 
to your question, Alex, I think, you know, yes, God does show his goodness to to the whole world in one sense. So, well, he does show his goodness to the whole world. Um, if we think about his providence in upholding that good creation that he made, um, you know, he could have stopped being involved with it, mm. but he chooses to continue to uphold the world, to offer pour out blessings on the world just even when the sun rises and it rains and you know the crops grow you know that is god's goodness coming through and you know he he is disposed to doing good um and and he does he he pours out his goodness on 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 everyone and everything um but i think in your question you know there's also another aspect of his goodness which mm -hmm. is that some aspect of his goodness is reserved for his people um and you know in titus 3 it says when the goodness and loving kindness of god our savior appeared he saved us and that's you know talking about the act of salvation um and god's special goodness his special love towards his people um you know, upon rejecting him, he could have judged everyone, um, but he chose to save a people for his own possession. And, and in goodness, in his goodness, he showed mercy, he showed grace towards uh, his people. Um, and obviously the ultimate demonstration of that is in Christ and in Christ's death on the cross. Um, you know, he showed his mercy and his grace and you know, he he did so for his people. Um, and so in that sense, God's goodness is is very um, you know, specifically directed at his people. But it's not limited to his people. And it's it goes forth in other ways to to the whole world. And, um, you know, and that's the amazing thing is that. You know, so many people who have no time for God, who mm. um, have, a, have a disregard for God, he still shows his goodness towards them in, um, in the way he upholds creation and he pours out his blessings on the world. Mm. Yeah, that, that's, that's really helpful. That's a really um, succinct and a, a really wide-reaching description of God's goodness I find that really helpful so th thanks Mike um, and I guess we've already started to say how we see that in Christ ultimately in salvation um, and, and that that specific goodness uh, is there any, any other ways because we always want to see that think how do we see this in Christ and then how does it apply to us so there, are there any other ways that we see that God's goodness in Christ or is it primarily in salvation I mean, I think we we show we see God's goodness. Well, in Christ we see we see God, yeah. and therefore in Christ and Christ acts and the goodness yes. that with which He walked the earth and with which He dealt with people, we see God's goodness, you know, in action. Mm -hmm. um, the the way He you know He helped people, He healed people, um, He He counselled people, He mm -hmm. He guided people all of those ways in which he demonstrated his goodness to people. Um, and actually Christ's example um, is probably in some ways the most tangible um, aspects of God's goodness that, that we can latch onto. Um, you know, I think goodness is very much one of the, um, 
you know, one of those attributes of God that, um, you know, we, we are able to, um, however imperfectly strive after, um, you know, we, there's no point us, you know, striving after omniscience, but, but goodness, um, is, is one that's, that, that, you know, we should be, we should be striving after. Um, and so, you know, when we look at Christ, we see what goodness acted out looks like. Um, and, and it's just another reason for us to spend time sort of studying the, the works and the person of the Lord Jesus is, is to see, you know, the goodness of God in, in that. So you've, you said there, Mike, that this is an attribute. Sometimes, sometimes people talk about the communicable attributes, so ways in which we can be like God, and this would be one of those things. So, so how, how, how does that play out day to day? So you said about you know, reading and knowing the acts of Christ. Do we just then like, try to mimic those? Because, well, that would go horribly wrong very quickly. But you know, so, so how does this affect your day to day? Yeah, I mean the psalmist says you know taste and see that yeah. the lord is good you know um and i think it all has to really start there mm-hmm. um you know it's something that we probably none of us spend anywhere near the amount of time that we should on um is just reflecting on the goodness of god and um recognizing it in in the big things and in the small things um and you know i think that that is the very best starting place um you know we we too often maybe jump into sort of legalism and and trying to to be good um but obviously that's futile if we're doing it off our own back but if we start with um reflecting and meditating on god's goodness um you know that's the place to start um and then i think that the next most important thing for us to do is to praise God for his goodness. Um, it's one thing to recognize it. It's another thing to praise him for it. Um, you know, ultimately, you know, the chief end of man is to glorify God. And, um, you know, when, when we go back and going back to that passage in Exodus, you know, Moses said, show me your glory. And, uh, God said, I will show you my goodness. Um, so, you know, giving God praise for who he is, for what he does, being thankful for the blessings he pours out is us glorifying God. And, and it's something we should be really active in doing. Um, and, you know, again, I think it, it's something we tend to stack rank behind the sort of more practical things, but it's, it's eminently practical and it's eminently important that we, that we do that. Um, you know, then I think having meditated on God's goodness, having praised him for it, you know, then we should think about how we imitate him in it. And, you know, goodness is one of the fruits of the spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if we're asking God, you know, to work in us, um, you know, then we should be going out into the world and, and you know, trying to, um, demonstrate the goodness of God to others um, through our deeds so that others might glorify God through us. Um, and, um, and that will come forward in, in again, those sorts of things that we, that we mentioned, that stop mercy, um, showing grace mm-hmm. to others, being patient with others, all those other sort of manifestations of goodness. Um, 
are, are the ways that we can um, we can be Christ-like. We can we can demonstrate God's goodness to the world. Yeah, I think it's really important. You said there, Mike, about first and foremost meditating on the goodness of God shown to us in Jesus Christ, and making sure that's first and foremost. Because if that's not what we're meditating on, if that's not our motivation, then our 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 motivation, our reason for for doing good works is going to be a tainted one. Um, you know, I, I think we're all really good at having that inner lawyer um, that kind of you know convicts us or, or tells us that we need to do good in order to earn God's love, to to earn um, His favor, and yet we want to say that no, because of God's goodness um, in Jesus Christ in His life, death, and resurrection, we have favor with God. Um, he does love us and that is our reason for then going and doing good to others um, and so I think it's really like it's crucial that first and foremost we're meditating and before we're just going and doing to earn his love and this it's incredible like scripture is full of, of the command to do so even the command to give thanks you know, the Psalms especially the latter half of the Psalms repeatedly say, you know, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. And we sing that. So maybe even people hearing that to the tunes now in their head in the song. And we sing that and we don't really think of what that actually means or proactively do so in our lives. Um, and of course, throughout the Bible is just full of commands to do good, to act in response to the goodness that we have been shown, like you're saying, Alex. And um, like we've, as a church, just finished up James this past year. And it's certainly a very practical book of, of living out this faith, not just saying things, but, but showing them in our actions. And surely goodness toward others is, is a simple way even of doing that. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's really helpful. And, and I guess we need, need to move the conversation on a little bit. And really, so we, we took goodness and patience together because really, as you've already said, Mike, patience is just another expression of God's goodness. Um, and so it maybe seems right that we would, we would tie them together. But I don't really think that this is something that we would think about when we think of God, if we were to just describe God as, as, as though we could. We probably wouldn't think of patience very high up there. Um, and yet this is true. Scripture says that he is patient toward us. Um, so what do we actually mean by that? Or what do we want to say when we're saying that God is patient? Yeah, so I think as you as you said, it's it's an aspect of his goodness in that it's um, the the goodness to forbear mm -hmm. with those deserving judgment, um, and you know I think that um, you know if we think about sort of what patience is, it's you know accepting sort of delay or, or problems or, or suffering um, without annoyance or anger and. You know, one of the, the most common refrains in the Old Testament is is mm -hmm. that, that God is slow to anger. Um, and I think sometimes you come across that and we, we maybe sort of don't quite sort of understand what that means. But it, it's largely because we overrate ourselves, I think, a lot of the time. You know, if we if we truly understood, you know, the the predicament we're in, the situation we're in, the depth of our um you know, our sin and our, our need for, um, for God's mercy and grace, um, then, you know, we would have an appreciation that God would be fully just and it would be fully understandable for him to, you know, immediately judge us and um, to, um, you know, to, to, to do away with, um, you know, the whole of, of mankind. And so, 
you know, the fact that God is um, patient and slow to anger um, is just another reflection of his, his goodness to the world. Um, you know, God created a good world, um, but mankind chooses to reject that. Mm. Um, and, you know, he, he has borne with this world um, for a very long time. Um, and, you know, it's not just about God sort of building the case against us letting us condemn ourselves you know we 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 condemned ourselves um you know right from the very start Mm -hmm. um it's about him gathering in his people um it's about him um giving opportunity for people to come to jesus um and to trust in his death uh, for salvation and that is you know at the heart of why he is patient um because he you know is still drawing in his people he is still uh actively working in the hearts of his people to draw them to him uh to salvation and that is the reason for his patience mm. yeah actually and if we think about it the fact that god is patient should be well, you know, that's something that we should treasure very greatly because it is only because of his patience to this time in history that the world still exists and his patience toward us that, that we would um, that we would be saved, we'd be reconciled to him. Um, so even what you're saying there, Mike, you just reminds me of 2 Peter. In 2 Peter 3, it says, The Lord is not slow to fill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that should all should reach repentance. And I think that's helpful to see that whenever we are told throughout scripture that, that God is slow to anger, it's not uh, a weakness, but actually it's a strength of his that he's choosing to be slow to anger so that we would come to faith, um, which really flips it on its head. Then, you know, this is, this is an incredible thing and it's such an incredible act of mercy toward us. Um, yeah, like it's not just that God is slightly more patient than us. And, and if that were the case, I think we'd be, not in a very good position. I don't know if you guys are much more patient than me, but you know, humans don't tend to be these patient beings. And yet God is patient and displays his patience toward us. Um, yeah. yeah. In fact, I think it's, you know, we're often the opposite, you know, when we think about um, Christ's return, yeah. um, you know, we, we're often impatient mm. for Christ's return. And, you know, it's good for us to desire to see his return but to be impatient about it, um, you know, is to un- to underestimate mm. the position that we're in and the privilege that, that the Lord continues to offer to to the world. Um, mm. You know, to you know, to hold off on um, on the final judgment um, and to give people um, the opportunity to come to repentance. Um, so yeah, we're we're often the opposite, um, and uh, you know, he. he his example to us is there and ultimately you know it comes back to 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 what we were saying about this link between his goodness and his glory and you know if if patience is one aspect of his goodness um you know it it all is there because he so that he might be glorified Um, and you know his his patience is there um you know and is meant to uh bring him glory 
Um, you know, I think about the, um, the verses in Romans where it says, sort of desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, he is born with vessels of wrath. You know, he, he's almost, you know, he, he could show his glory in, in many ways. Um, he will show his glory in judgment. Um, and he's chosen at this time to show his glory in his patience. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, you know, it's an amazing thing if, you, if we think about it. It's incredible. I think, you know, um, I was studying today, just uh, we'll be going to Matthew 15 in, in church soon um, for our morning series. And just the faith of the Canaanite woman and just how the disciples, she comes along and she's like just desperate for Jesus. She's, she's desperate for Jesus. And the disciples, she, she's crying out and the disciples are like, no, like send this woman away. Jesus, tell this woman to go away. Um, they don't understand like the the nature of of the gospel of grace um and who the gospel is really for um, in matthew 15 and uh and you know time and time again the disciples don't get who jesus is um time and time again we don't understand who jesus is um really and uh and jesus is just so patient he is so gracious um with the disciples time and time again um he is teaching them challenging them and ultimately uh, changing them um and just i just love that constantly in the gospels and um, when we don't get when the disciples don't get who jesus is when we don't get who jesus is he is still impatient and with us so yeah so alex you're starting to say that to you about how we see god's patience in the person of christ as we see all of who god is um uh, so how else do we do we see this in, in Christ? What else might we want to say on that? Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, his, uh, his patience with uh, the people of Israel when he came to the earth is, you know, is a, is a great sort of study in and of itself, you know. Mm. Um, you know, when he laments over Jerusalem, um, you know, he, he demonstrates that, you know, patience um it's, it's hard to not sort of um sort of anthropomorphize this but you know his his patience doesn't come easy right you know the the whole point about patience is that it you know it requ- you know it requires um you know not doing something that you know you you want to do you know and again back to that verse in 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 romans about you know bearing with um you know vessels of wrath um so you know he he bore with his people, um, Israel, you know, and he bears with his people. Um, and we think about, you know, the, the church and, um, you know, it's not been an example of, you know, faithful obedience um, down through the last two millennia. But he, he bears with his people. His patience extends beyond salvation into um, into our Christian lives, um, you saw it in the, the patience that the Lord had with the disciples, um, the Lord had with you know with His people, um, and continues to have with His people. So it goes well beyond um, salvation into all the aspects of, um, of of ongoing sin in in our lives and and how He bears with that and, yeah. and bears with us. Yeah, and I think it was um, I think it was Mark Jones' book he had made this point which i had never really thought about but he said about how it, jesus death reveals god's patience in that it gives it the purpose to his patience 
so that people can be brought near. So if God is good and patient, but Christ never died so that we could be brought near, then there's not really a purpose. There's certainly not a purpose toward us. Whereas Christ's death gives his patience a purpose in that we have this um, means of salvation in his death. And I'd never thought about that before, um, but I thought that was a helpful way to see that this is absolutely necessary and that Christ's death gives a purpose to that. Um, so he, he, he coined it much better. He can, you can check it out in his book, but I thought it was a helpful point as well. Um, so, so again, we want to land this. We, we don't just want to be people who know things. We want to be people who are affected by them and changed by God working in us. So how does knowing that God is patient and all that we've talked about what that means, how does that actually affect our day-to-day lives now? Well, I guess like goodness, you know, it's one of the communicable aspects of God. It's, it's yeah. something we, we can be, we should strive to be, um, never to the level of perfection that, that God and Christ display, but it's something we should, we should aspire after to show that, that patience. And I think, you know, if we, if we split patience down into the patience for salvation and the patience with his people, mm. um, I think there's a lesson in both of those for us. Mm. So with his people, you know, are we patient with one another within the church? Mm. Are we patient with those around us um, in, in the sins that they might commit? Um, mm. You know, often sin towards us. Are we patient with them? Um, are we patient with, with um, those around us? And then I think that, you know, for the aspect of patience and salvation, in some ways it, it should make us impatient to, um, to, to go out with the gospel, right? To make the most of God's patience and to, um, to be out um, bringing the gospel uh, to the world, that his sheep might hear his voice and respond mm-hmm. and that they might be drawn in. And, you know, it's a really, in, you know, profound sort of fact that while you know christ has not come you know it's because there are still those that he is drawing into his kingdom mm-hmm. and you know that is fundamentally the reason why we're all still here um because god is patiently waiting to build his kingdom and you know it it should keep us really aware that we're not here on this earth you know to be um you know simply enjoying our gardens right we're here <laughs> Um, because God has uh, a mission for us, for us all, not just those, you know, dedicated on the mission field, but a mission for all of us to go and to seek the lost and, and to bring them into his kingdom. And that is why he is patient. And that is why he has not yet come again. And, and those, those are sort of things that should shape the way we think and, and live. Yeah. I think what, um, again, you said, Mike, and it's, I guess, similar to, to what we we said earlier is that Christ has purchased a goodness for us um, at the cross and it's only because of Christ and as we look to him that we can walk um, in, in that patience and mm. um, that we can be patient um, with other people um, and so again it's it's fixing our eyes um, on, on Christ um, as we Yes, worship together on Sundays or soon together on Sundays um, as we um, meditate on who he is through his word, um, the Lord's Supper, um, yeah, um, the, the sacraments that he's given us. Um, so again, it's meditating on Christ before we can even walk in patience with, with one another.
Yeah, it's incredible. Um, once we start chatting about two attributes that are possibly overlooked, uh, you find out actually there's a lot, a lot to be said, isn't there? There's a lot to learn, um, a lot to meditate upon and, and be changed by as we then walk in, in obedience. Um, so thank you. Thank you, Meg. I'm afraid we've run out of time, but thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for giving your time. No, it's been great. And um, thank you for your great chat. I think that I really enjoyed that. I think that'll be um, challenging and practical just for anyone who listens along um, and certainly has, has challenged me. So, so thank you for your time. Um, thanks, Alex. Good to, good to see you as always. Um, and thank you, to, <laughs> thank you to everyone listening along. Um, we do miss you and we look forward to seeing you hopefully very soon. Um, we hope you're keeping safe. We hope that you are taking this time to grow in your love and knowledge of God and, and just your dependence upon him as we all need to do daily. Um, so we will talk to you soon and uh, yeah, thank you.